Hi, my name's Jason Barcham. I'm an associate partner with Servian New Zealand. Welcome to the Technology Whisperers, a technology and innovation podcast brought to you by Servian with your hosts Alistair Ross and Sean Muller. Join us as we demystify the latest emerging innovative technologies for businesses of all shapes and sizes, sharing our thoughts on how you can improve your current technologies, practices and processes to transform your business. Welcome back to the Technology Whisperers. I am pleased to introduce Yusuf Qadri, who is a colleague of mine at Servian. And today, I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a second, but today we're going to be talking about graph analytics and, and what graph analytics is. Well, to introduce myself from a graph point of view, I studied, I mean, I studied maths at university and got dragged into a large networks postgraduate, which was a really interesting thing. And I lived my life, I got my job, and I never really thought about it again until 2000 and I want to say 16, when the Panama Papers came out. The Panama Papers, for anyone who doesn't know, were, was a big investigation by the ICIJ, which is the International Consortium of Independent Journalists. I know things. And what they did was they used this tool, this graph database tool called Neo4j, to basically to link up people through different entities and corporations and shells and various levels of networked connection with tax avoidance in specifically Panama, unsurprisingly. Uh, so that was the first time I realized that this was a thing that you could do outside of a classroom. Yeah, had a real um, business, had a, a real world use yeah, case. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so at the time there, I was, I was working in Deloitte forensics. So it was, it was naturally interesting. And since then, I've, I've moved to New Zealand. I've come to, sorry, this is a terrible introduction, but I've moved to New Zealand, come to join Servian. And I'm spending a lot of my time at the moment talking to clients here about what they can do with graphs, what they can, what they can do, how they can get value out of it. And from the very, very basic look at your data slightly differently to the actually quite complex trying to uproot unseen connections between things, people, entities. Yeah, so so let's unpack this a little bit because I think one of the challenges is you and I, Yusuf, you and I understand what a graph analytics and what you mean right. by a graph when we start talking about it. But one of the things we try and do here on the Technology Whisperers is, is really about demystifying it. And yeah. and I know a lot of data scientists and data analytics people will come in and will throw terms around and stuff. And a lot of times the business won't understand what they're talking about. Um, most business people who work in spreadsheets, they have a yeah. vision of what a graph is. And their graph is a pivot table on an Excel spreadsheet. That That's yeah. a graph to them. And they're X right. and Y. Yeah. And, and by the way, they're right. That is, yes. a, that is a graph. But so let's dive into this a little bit. And let's start from a, yeah. when you say graph analytics, what do you mean by a graph? So, okay. So a graph in this sense would, I guess, would more commonly be called a network. A graph is basically defined by entities and their connections. So... Nodes and edges, if you want to get mathematical, but a node is... So a, vi a visual representation of yes. the relationships between... Yes. So uh, 
Anything. Anything, yeah, really. Things. So a node is representative of an object or entity, a thing. Business transaction. Yeah. Could be a person. Person. Could be. Database. Yeah, it could be country. a database. Yeah. I, I actually recently saw an interesting, a really interesting graph, which was of international trade volumes. So so in that case, a graph is a country. But yeah, it could yeah. absolutely be so, you. So when we talk about graph analytics, and the reason that I think you and I are sitting here talking about and we're going to dive into in a minute, we're going to dive into a little bit more the value of the graph analytics. But how is this different from just typical business intelligence? We yes. we have a relational database that shows that this client buys these things. How does the graph allow us to demonstrate that in a different manner? Okay, so that that's a good one. The example you gave there, this client buys these things, and that... At its simplest, in if you think of that in a tabular format, you have some kind of transactional table sure. which says client one bought thing two on day three, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And structured databases, sequ relational SQL, I kind of use those interchangeably, are very, very good then if you want to say how many of thing three got bought or how many right. things did customer one buy, whatever. What they're not good at doing is building together a kind of a bigger picture, a chain. So a good example of where graphs get used a lot in the modern world is recommendations, like recommender algorithms. So right. Netflix does this. Everyone's got Netflix. So saying customer one bought thing two is great if you want to know about customer one or thing two. But if you want to know what to recommend to that customer, you have to look at everything that they've bought. Right everything that everyone else who's bought those things has bought and then and it, it gets it blows up if you think about it in terms of the joins you would make in a SQL database it becomes very very complicated there's very fast exactly there's lots of joins lots of parameters and it just blows up in a graph model because you're modeling customer one is an entity right it's a node there's a relationship between that customer and the thing that they've bought. There's a relationship between that thing and everyone else that has bought it. So you kind of, you can expand outwards without exploding your data size or your computational processing. Like, like it, it's not, it's easier to do and it's quicker by so factors of. In a in a layman's term, way what you're talking about is like that seven degrees of separation right yeah so a graph can can and let, we're going to talk time frames here in a second but a graph can show you the relationship between any two things even if they're not related things yes any number of distance away from each other so so theoretically somebody could manually go into a sql database and chase through a sql database but somewhere around three or four hops of of relationship between the original thing and the thing they're working on, the computation becomes so massively large and yes. complicated and expensive that it's not no longer feasible. So, so it's what you're saying that a graph analytical way of looking at the data could more rapidly give us those relationships yes. between those unconnected things. Yes, because you're not... So how big, how fast? Okay, so I actually... That's a... Oh, I don't like answering these questions because someone's <laughs> going to hold me to them at some point. But I saw I saw a stat that I'm actually trying to verify because I'm talking to a client about it and I don't want to 
yeah. throwing numbers out there yeah, with of course, clients. Of course. But the stat I saw was, or the benchmark I saw was a thousand X performance on five hops. Wow. So, okay. So now, let's, caveat, caveat I'll, with, I'll, I'll Google that later. Of, of course, of course. But let's tease <laughs> but, yeah. this out. So what you're saying is, is that between one piece of data that doesn't have a direct relationship with yes. other pieces of data, but has an indirect relationship through pieces of data five steps away. Yes. So I have to. They, this is saying I have to make five joins in my SQL query. Yeah. To be clear. So the the from a standard database relation looking this up, you'd be writing something to connect four sets of data through each other back to yeah. the original set of data. Let's say it takes a thousand hours. You're saying that a graph database would do it in an hour? That's the benchmark, I think. The- theoretically. I, theoretically. Theoretically, yeah. Um, so, be, I mean, so it's I mean, also once you get to the kind of thousand hour queries, that like it's going to drop off. Yeah, so yeah. probably it's going to be quicker than that. Well, yeah. So, um, but well, yes, and if you have th- a one second query, you can... St- you're talking about a millisecond. So obviously, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit biased because I actually know a little bit about graph analytics and 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 graph databases and how Neo4j works. And we're going to talk about Neo4j in a second. But so I'm going to ask a question, understanding that I have the leading information about this. So, with all fairness, can graph analytics show you relationships between two pieces of data that you didn't even know to look for? That is an incredibly valuable use case for graph analytics, yes. So, again, there's a continuum of really relatively simple to relatively complex. At the relatively simple end, you you can start talking to things like rules-based entity resolution. And that's something I implemented at a client here in Wellington, where, for example, let's say, for example, I was a service provider of some kind there's associated metadata to me. So I have a name, an address, an IRD number, a bank account, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there is very little in a lot of systems to stop me setting up a new account. Right. Maybe there's some validation, but I can set up the same name, different address, same bank account. Very likely, if my address and my bank account are the same, these two things that look quite different in your systems are the same. Are the same. That's, I mean, that's a very trivialized version of it, but that's that's the simple end of the spectrum. Towards the more advanced end of the spectrum, you get to an area of graph data science called link prediction, which is essentially building machine learning models to understand how likely something is to be connected to something else, right. and where that connection doesn't exist, but the model thinks it should, it will highlight it, and it'll say, actually, we think that, actually, we think that Yosef does know Sean, even though there's not. nothing to indicate yeah. that he would. Yeah. You're not on my link. You're not on my Instagram, but yeah. through various other mechanisms, it's quite likely that I know you. So, so, so let's tease tease this out a little bit. And I've been using that a lot in this podcast. Mm-hmm. I apologize about that. I'll try and cut that back. So, what you're saying? So, in a, a standard analytics using relational tables, unless you understand the relation between any two pieces of data, you're unable to write a query that can give you an answer that says that dog food is related to car tires unless yeah. you understand the relationship between the two before you ask the question. Yeah, it's, it, it's the rigid, the nature of a rigid data that, model. That's correct. I think I, what I hear you suggesting is, is with multiple backend data sets or sources that might not even be in any way related to each other or, or have any piece of related information, 
that with graph analytics, you can begin to see correlations or potentially even causations between two pieces of data like dog food and car tires that have mm-hmm. nothing to do with each other. Is that yeah. what you're suggesting? Yes. I, again, I say yes, it, it, depending on of, the complexity of, of it. Of course. You but no, I, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think a term that gets used a lot that, that I really like is knowledge graph. Mm. And the precise definition of a knowledge graph, I'm not going to go into. There's nuance to it. But a knowledge graph is essentially what you just described. It's a graph of disparate data sources from disparate data sources rather that describe the things and events and occurrences in your business. It's a very, very broad thing. Where, for example, a social network or a social graph is really simple. There's people and they have you either know somebody a couple or of you relationships. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. A knowledge graph is much broader. So within your knowledge graph you may have internal systems, you may have your clients, customers will sit somewhere in your knowledge graph. Right. Your internal departments may sit like and how they inter so how they relate and how they interact will get modeled in there. So and let's that's where you find those let, weird ones. Let's talk real world business use cases, right? Yep. So if I have so in a traditional relational database, if I have a list of my clients and what they buy, and I have value for those products, but I notice that I have one I have one customer that they buy the most of one particular type of product, but I have another customer that doesn't buy the most, but buys from almost every single category. Does it allow me to differentiate which customers might be more important to me because they... My, they might not be spending the m- most money of any yes. customer with me, but they might be buying across the broadest yeah. spectrum so, of products. So that's there's a there's a very there's a subset of metrics that you can get from a graph, and where graphs get interesting as well is there's two, there's two areas where they get interesting. One is paths, understanding relationships between object one and object two, and the other is understanding the importance of any given thing inside the graph. And so this family of metrics is called centrality. And there's lots of ways of measuring centrality. So how connected are you is the simplest. Just to use a social network as, the, as a real basic example that I think everyone can get. If I have 10 friends and you have 100, you're more important than me yeah. by that simple metric. Yeah. But then you start getting into more interesting versions of centrality that measure you against, not just as an individual, but against the whole graph. So maybe you have 100 friends, but maybe I know 10 CEOs and you know 10, I don't know, like normal people. Yeah. So this boosts my influence. Maybe I know the 10 people I know are all at, all know 1,000 people each. That boosts my influence. There's right. lots of different ways to measure it. Personal favorite centrality measure at the moment is diffusion centrality, which is about how quickly information can spread through a graph if you if you put it somewhere. So that that has lots of interesting applications in, for example, network and infrastructure monitoring and security. Right. If someone gets into server A, how quickly can they get to somewhere important and sure. where can they get to? Yeah, from a security um, perspective, yes. uh, from an IT security perspective, that can be massively powerful. Right. And, and very difficult to document in any kind of CMDB yeah. or ITSM Absolutely. product or uh, InfoSec product. So yeah. Absolutely. And, but yeah, so kind of to the example you had, what you described there is degree centrality, which is mm-hmm. how many things am I connected to? And you end, up with, you end up with a lot of these metrics. And actually something that I really want to talk to more people about is how these 
graph metrics can be fed back into your structured data. Like I, I don't want to try and convince anyone that they can do away with SQL. No, no, no. Or no. structured but, the, but they could generate metadata that could feed back into the yes. structured data to make the structured data more valuable? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's say you have a customer lifetime value model. In your previous example, we've got customer one buys all of the, like buys, spends the most money. Customer two buys from the most people. Yeah. Well, the one that, without these metrics, customer one comes out clearly on top. Every which, time. I mean, perhaps which they might should. Be, which might be reasonable, but the business should yeah. actually have the information to be able to make yeah. that decision not just it defaults right. to this is the only way we know how to look at it. Exactly. But yes, yeah, so starting to feed in even degree centrality, which is trivial to pull out of a graph, feeding that in, well maybe it turns out your model with this additional bit with this additional feature goes changes importance. Yeah. Oh it, it turns out that people who buy, only buy one thing might buy from a new supplier, people who buy ten. So you you keep talking about this graph. One of the things that for me is hugely powerful within graph analytics is is the the graph is usually visually easy to understand. Yes. So when we talk about it, it's not just the the graph analytics as a series of numbers that somebody gives you in a Word document. It's actually a visual, visual yes. representation of the relationships between all these different nodes, correct? Absolutely. And again, that's where a big part of the value comes in. I, I am thinking a lot about infrastructure graphs at the moment, yeah. just because it's it's what I'm talking to a lot of people about. Right. Thinking about being able to pick, draw a picture of, these are the 10 servers I have. Yeah. Of these 10 servers, these are the ones that can talk to one another, which is relatively easy to pull out from logs and from yeah. network configurations. So these are the ones that can talk to each other. And these are, this is, these are the ones that have some kind of power over my data, right. be it like get or whatever whatever that may be being able to i can tell you that easily yeah. any day and that's something that any sysadmin can pull out right from from the logs but to be able to show someone that to be able to say okay look this is from this server this user can do these things on these other servers and access this data this is how easy it is as a picture of connected things that I think is incredibly valuable. Or even show the importance of it based on centrality for yeah. how a particular piece of equipment gets used. Yeah. I, it's interesting, Absolutely. several years ago, I remember seeing a graph analytics run on the, it, it was a centrality on importance of nodes within a network, like actual computer nodes. Yeah. And it highlighted very quickly that the DNS server was the most important node in the entire network, and no one they had no availability numbers around that DNS server. But based on the Everything number of needs it. yeah number of devices that queried it, mm -hmm. it was the most important thing on the network. So mm -hmm. un understanding that has a huge impact. Yeah. So when we're talking about technology landscapes, what are what are the providers of these types of graph? analytics platforms? What, what do they look sure. like? So I think all major clouds have their own version of this. Mm. The two major players right now, a company called Neo4j, they are the incumbent, they've been around for relatively a long time. Right. And a company called Tiger, TigerGraph, who are new. They are an interesting product. They're definitely more of a platform than a database. Right. As, as compared to Neo4j, which 
is very much a database first. Yeah. They have really different philosophies as well, which I find interesting. I, I compared them to Python and Java in that one is very hard typed, very strict, and very structured, and that allows it to be very fast. Right. One of them is much more, that one being TigerGraph, one of them, Neo4j, is much less, less rigid, more flexible. Yep. And it, yeah, uh, my preference is Neo4j for that flexibility, sure. especially the conversations we're having with clients at the moment. It's, it's easier to build something and leave right. um, with the easier to more accessible version. Right. I do, however, I met a very, very clever man, a PhD chap who's up in Auckland, I think, who's using TigerGraph and says that for the kind of computation he's doing, he needs that sure. power and flexibility, like that power and the hard typed nature of yeah. it. So, so, so I'm an executive, let's imagine I'm an executive sales manager and what you're talking about and showing the connections between those sounds really, really interesting to me. I need, I want to know what it would take to implement, say, Neo4j time and, you know, rough kind of cost. Do I need a team of 10 people to come in? Do I need six months of build time? I'm not, I'm not asking you <laughs> to commit. a shameless sales pitch coming. I, I understand, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not asking you to, you know, commit. I'm just give a, give us some idea. Are we talking about a massive project or no. are we talking about a small project that okay. can show value very quickly? So I, I'm a firm believer in doing as little as possible, as quickly as possible, purely because, look, when you come to buy any one of these products, it's a significant investment. If you can't justify that investment, then what's the point? The client I'm talking to right now about this, we told four weeks, and it's less than $50,000, put it that way, okay. as an engagement. So they, could, that would be, so they could trial something fairly quickly yes. and see real yes. ROI value out yes. of the end of it. And what we want to do there, I mean, there's there's a week of sitting down with them, talking through their problems. Obviously, everyone has an idea of the problem. So that's a key. I want to touch on this one real yeah. quick. I don't want anybody listening to this podcast to think they can just walk away and call up their IT department and says, we need to put graph analytics in right now. It's going to solve all our problems. I, so I think we have seen a lot of problems in the last probably 10 or 15 years that that knee-jerk reaction to We've just seen the next technology platform that we need to implement, and it ultimately causes more of a problems for the IT team, and the business doesn't see the value out of it. So do you see real value in identifying the true problem? Oh, look, purely from my point of view, forget my clients, forget the person that's paying for this at the end of the rainbow. From my side where I'm sitting, if there's a very clear path to value, that makes my life so much easier. Yeah. Look, so... The th the things we're proposing to the client we're proposing them to, Customer 360, they will not get a full Customer 360 in four weeks. No. They will get a skeletal one on which they can build. Yeah. And the thing I said to that was, look, Customer 360 is a thing that everyone's talking about right now. Right. Or customer... Customer data maps. Customer, exactly. It's a thing that everyone's talking about. It's not... Having it is not in and of itself valuable. No. The question is then, what can I do with it? Yeah. And what can I build off the side of it? So look, what my client, if they go with the customer 360, what they'll get, I don't think they will, but they have different requirements. But what they would get is 
a little bit of entity resolution on their clients so that they could say, we think these people are related in some way. And then they have to go away and figure out what to do with it. And we'll sit down and help them with that. Look, right. if you want to talk about marketing, cross-selling, upselling, this is great information to have. If you want to talk about oh. call centers, Marketing, market churn. personalization, churn of customers. Yep. There's a massive amount. Of, uh, so on the customer data mapping, and we'll probably have uh, we'll probably have a, a gentleman from Australia onto the podcast eventually to talk. Oh, you're about getting Alan on. Yes, but at this point, customer data mapping is a hugely powerful thing, especially when we talk about market personalization. You'll hear me say, and this is not a knock on Burger King, but I blame Burger King for this. So Burger King in the late '90s change the fast foods. Before the late 90s, if you walked into McDonald's and you said, I want a cheeseburger without pickles, they told you, I'm sorry, the cheeseburger comes with pickles. That's the way you get it. Burger King in the late 90s started an ad campaign in the United States that was, we'll do your burger your way and change the landscape of fast food. And since that time, everybody wants the stuff their way. They want it pitched to them their way. And so market personalization is hugely powerful. There are entire machine learning models that we have helped develop for organizations to drive those. But getting the data to a usable point where a machine learning model can actually use it or identifying the features necessary, graph analytics approach to that data is how you would, because they're disparate data sources. A machine learning model requires a succinct data source. If I've got 15 data sources, ERP systems, marketing systems, client, customer, relationship management solutions, somehow I have to bring a 360-degree view of those, and Graph Analytics provides that capability. Yeah. No, I, I started life in marketing, and yeah. programmatic was just becoming the big thing. And yeah, absolutely right. It's Well, that's, I mean, you spend a lot of time building a lot of data into a usable state and then trying to train models on it that can then categorize, that can Tell you work something. fast enough to yeah. make the actual program Make work. it useful, <laughs> yes. So this is a really interesting technology. I think there are a lot of really good use cases that can come out of it. I, I'm in your camp, Yusuf. I don't, I don't like going into an organization and just saying, okay, well, we're going to stand up a platform, and then you'll come up with questions, and we'll go out and figure out how to do it. I would much rather understand why or what the organization is trying to solve, and then help them to put in a scaffolding so that they can begin solving yeah. those questions. If I take an enterprise approach to it, once we have a, a use case that we can align something to, we put something in place that can handle other use cases, but that initial use case that shows value or ROI for what it is they're doing, I think is hugely powerful. Yeah. Oh, so to just to jump back on my shameless self-promotion, <laughs> um, that's like, that's exactly what this, the four-week program that we're talking to our client about is exactly that. We spend a week, we sit down, and we say, look, this is what you want to do. Of, of these 10 things you want to do, this one is a graph problem that we can address right now. Three of them might not even be graph problems, look. Like, it's, right. it's a mindset. You have to yeah. get used to it. But we find the one that we want to do that we can get value from straight away. It's... We build that out. We build that out to the point that should you decide to go ahead, there's a big red button, you press go, and you have it. And then it's about demonstrating the value of that. Right. Look, and you have your, it. Yeah, you have your customer 360. Well, great. Now let's start making this thing pay for itself. Right. If it doesn't pay for itself, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. And as soon as it's paid for itself, cool. Let's do the next use so, case. 
if people have questions about Graph or if they want to reach out to you, where, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. My, you can have my email. <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the easiest. Yeah. I'll, I'll include your LinkedIn profile on the show notes as Perfect. well as your direct email address. Any place else online? You pu- publish on Medium? I do. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I do. I publish on Medium. Again, I'll just give you a link. Yeah. And I talk a lot on Medium about Graph graphs for observability at the moment and just so this is a big and we're (laughs) i will eventually do a podcast on ai ops and ai sec ops but from a observability perspective being able to see through the white noise of events that are occurring on an it system to identify the one event that is necessary that somebody do something in it's hugely powerful. I'm before we before we call it. I'm going to call one more interesting use case. Yeah, please. Because it's a very very general one that I think is a problem everyone has. Let's let's imagine you're a transportation network. Sure. For argument's sake, you have hubs, bus stops, train stations. Those could just as easily be servers. Those could be just about anything your business has. By modeling that as a graph and being able to track flow of traffic, information, water, doesn't really matter. These are all graphs. By building out those graphs it's and being able to model the, those data flows, those flows of whatever they are, like that gives that is such an interesting one for me from the point of view of optimizing your network. Yeah. I really want to do that. If anyone wants to do that, Reach my out. contact, Reach my out contact details are there. <laughs> and uh, honestly... I think NZTA or Auckland Transport needs to get on the phone to you real quick. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> no, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do there around modeling, optimizing, and generally just understanding how things are happening. And again, talking to those yeah. hidden those hidden roots. And you get a little bit messy, and I get excited by that. <laughs> well, Yusuf, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. For those of you who listen, you'll notice that Alistair Ross was unable to join me for this episode, but he will be back next episode. And from the Technology Whisperers, thank you very much. Thanks a lot.